Let's turn to Revelation chapter 17. 17. Wow, we're, Lord willing, we're going to finish this chapter today. Uh, this is quite a chunk, verses 9 through 18. Normally we cover four or five verses a week, so pray for me that we'll be able to get through all this. And let's uh, read, beginning in verse 9. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. The beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth, and is of the seven, and is going to perdition. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. Boy, it sounds like Lord of the Rings, doesn't it? Tolkien was a believer, so we can certainly see him weaving some of these revelation-type things into his writings. These are of one mind. They will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. Then he said to me, The waters which you saw, where the harlot sits, are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot. Now, for those of you who weren't here the last couple of weeks, the harlot is the uh, one world church, one world religion operating in collusion with the Antichrist, the woman who rides the beast. These will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. Let's pray. Father, we uh, lift up this time in your word. We pray for insight and understanding that you promised to give us through your Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be living in such exciting times, the end times, the last days of this present world system which will soon give way to a new world order under our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask you to bless this time of study in your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Here is the mind which has wisdom. And by the way, only those who have been endowed with true wisdom from God the Father will understand these things. And that's why you hear so many conflicting ideas We've talked about the different perspectives, the preterists who believe all this has already happened. You've got the premillennial folks who believe Christ will come before the millennium, the postmillennial people who believe he will come after the millennium, which there's no way, folks. You can't have a millennium without Jesus. But there are those who believe that it's called kingdom now theology or dominion theology, which teaches that we as believers are going to rise up and conquer the world for Christ and we will usher in the millennium and then Jesus will come. Uh, I think we're headed in the wrong direction on that one. What do you think? So there's the pre, the post, the amillennialists who believe there is no millennium, which again, I don't, I don't believe that's biblical. I think there's strong biblical evidence for the millennial reign of Christ on the earth. But here's the mind that has wisdom. In the book of Proverbs, it says repeatedly, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
And then James, in his book, talks about earthly wisdom that is demonic, fleshly, not of God. So if we want to possess true wisdom, true understanding, true insight, then we can only get that by connecting with the God of all creation through his son, Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.7, this is from the New American Standard Bible. In him we have redemption through his blood. We just celebrated that this morning, didn't we, during communion. The forgiveness of our wrongdoings or our sins, according to the riches of his grace, his unmerited favor, we don't deserve it. We celebrated that this morning. Which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. Now the world, those in the world, those who don't know God, they're lost, they're confused, they're walking around like blind men in the dark. But as believers, we've been given wisdom and insight. So there's really no excuse for being deceived. There's no excuse for falling into error. When that happens, it's because we chose to do so. We went with our feelings and our emotions rather than the truth of God's word. And sadly, there are multitudes being deceived every day. But there's no excuse for it. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the wisdom of God. We have insight and understanding. James 1.5, James says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And unfortunately, a lot of times we go around looking for everybody else's opinion, don't we? And then when all else fails, turn to God. No, we should turn to him first. Let him ask God who gives to all, all believers, that is, liberally, liberally, not just a little tiny bit of wisdom, you know, at the last minute when you're desperate. And, no, he gives liberally. God loves to give wisdom to those who ask. Without reproach, he's not going to say, what's the matter with you, you dummy? Don't you get it? And it will be given to him. That's a promise from God. But so often we fail to seek him first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Okay, so we move on here. The seven heads. So as we mentioned last week, I think it was, John receives a promise here from this angelic messenger that he's going to give him the interpretation of the vision that he's had and here it is the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits now Rome is known as the legendary city on seven hills seemingly according to many Bible scholars theologians seemingly indicating that the center of the Antichrist's power will be Rome and arguably, you could say that the Vatican City there, the seat of the Roman Catholic Church, the Pope, is one of the most powerful places on the earth. But as we have previously discussed, I think we've talked about this in previous messages in this series, uh, the modern rise of Islam injects some other possible scenarios into the mix. Now, there are those who do believe that literally... Ancient Babylon will be revived, that would be in Iraq, and that that will be the seat of the one world government. That remains to be seen. But here's, interestingly, there's a list of cities in the Middle East and in Europe that all fit the description of a city on seven hills. Mecca in Saudi Arabia, Tehran in Iran, Amman, Jordan, Brussels, Belgium, and that's, of course, the, the current seat 
of the European Union is in Brussels. They have that, that uh, statue of the woman riding the beast, the European Union. That's their symbol. We talked about that last week too, I believe. Moscow is also a city on seven hills, interestingly enough. And Jerusalem. Very interesting. All of these sit on seven hills. So we will find out sometime in the near future about that. And uh, I plan on watching from the balcony, as I've said many times. Verse 10. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen. One is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. That's good news. Good news for those who will be on the earth at that time. So the seven heads have a dual meaning here, folks. Not only are they seven hills, they are seven kings or rulers. The two most commonly held beliefs are that these represent perhaps the worst of the worst in terms of Roman rulers, Julius Caesar, Tiberius Caesar, Caligula. I don't know if you've heard of him. He was one bad dude. Claudius, Nero, the one who used people as human torches, covered them with pitch, nailed them to crosses, and set them on fire to light the way to his estate. Domitian. And then the seventh being the beast of the Antichrist. That's one line of thinking. Uh, there is another line of thinking that involves world empires, Egypt, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, and so forth. The angel tells John here that five have fallen and one is. So the five most powerful Caesars had fallen and Domitian was in power when John wrote this. It's a little more difficult to fit the empires into this verse. But if we look at it in terms of the Roman rulers, one is, that would be Domitian, the Roman emperor of John's day. The other is not yet come. And so regardless of who the other six are, there can be no doubt that the seventh is the Antichrist. He tells us he must continue a short time. So his reign will be brief. Seven years. Now, some believe that the Antichrist doesn't actually come to power till the last half of the tribulation. If you've done your own studies and research, you may have come across this. I beg to differ. I believe he will emerge at the beginning, but the fullness of who he really is will not be revealed until the second half of the tribulation. That's very possibly the point at which Satan will personally enter him. That's when he proclaims himself to be God. That's when the last Holocaust begins and a very severe, intense persecution of the Jewish people, where in Revelation 12, they're told to, told to flee. They get on the wings of an eagle, an aircraft. They're carried off into the wilderness, probably Petra in Jordan. So I believe he will emerge at the beginning. But again, as we saw early on in these studies, in the beginning, he looks like the answer, the Messiah, the man of peace. So I don't believe, as some do, that he will not come forth until the second half. I will believe he will be there from the beginning, but in a very subtle, veiled kind of a way. And we see, we'll see in a moment how he has to deal with three of these other rulers who rise up against him. His reign will be brief compared to those who have gone before him. Okay, verse 11, the beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and of the seven and is going 
to perdition. The beast that was and is not. And so here's where many uh, scholars, Bible scholars, get the idea that he will be some type, not reincarnation, let's not use that name, but a reemergence of some past nefarious ruler like Nimrod or Nero, the beast that was and is not. Here's Pastor Chuck Smith's commentary on that subject. He says, so the beast is, according to this, one of the five previous Roman emperors prior to the writing of the book of Revelation by John. At that time that John was writing, he was no longer alive. Not John, but the, the ruler. He was in the abuso, the abyss, the pit of hell. He ascends out of the abuso, but the world will wonder at this man who once lived and was dead and is now alive again. Of the seven of the major Roman emperors, and of course the one that comes closest to fitting the description is none other than Caesar Nero, whose name was numerically in Hebrew total to 666. Caesar Nero was called by the early church the Beast. That was the common name because he wreaked so much havoc among the church. Quite apparent that he was possessed by demonic spirits. The things that he did could only be done by a mind perverted by Satan. The horrible atrocities that this man brought against the Christian church could only be done by a mind that was totally deranged by demonic forces. And so that's Pastor Chuck Smith's take. And that's why I wanted you to see that video because of what they're doing with DNA. And there are rumors, reports, that they're not only harvesting DNA from animals, but they are also looking for DNA from past rulers, many of that are evil, uh, down through the centuries. So very interesting. Again, we'll see how it all plays out. At this point, all we can do is do our best to interpret based upon what we know. Okay, the beast that wasn't is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seven. So the Antichrist, some have said, is the seventh and the eighth king because he will come to power through the vehicle of the seventh and final empire, the revived Roman Empire. Again, we've talked about the fact that Babylon, more so than just being a geographical place, it's a spirit, a demonic spirit that's been in the world for thousands of years, going all the way back to Nimrod, the Tower of Babel, the founding of Babylon, the Babylonian mystery religions, the occult, and so forth. He could very easily, this beast, Antichrist, this eighth and of the seven, the king, could start out, for example, as the president of Europe, the United Nations, then establish himself ultimately as the ruler of the world, and ultimately, like the Caesars before him, we know, according to the scriptures, he will declare himself to be God. Now this goes back to 2016, and of course, this boat has sailed, if you will, at least for the moment, but it's a good example of what could happen. I don't know how many of you remember, I suspect you do, the worldwide adoration that was showered upon Barack Obama. Do we remember that? I mean, there were people in other countries saying, I wish I could vote for him. They couldn't, because, well, maybe some did. <laughs> Technically, they couldn't because they lived in another country, but nowadays it doesn't really matter who you are, where you're from, what citizenship you do or do not hold. Everybody gets to vote. 
except the people who really deserve to vote. If you are actually a registered voter and a citizen of the United States of America, there's a good chance your vote won't count. But if you're from anywhere else, you can vote multiple times. Am I speaking the truth? Yes. Does the truth hurt? Yes. But Jesus said what? The truth will set you free. That's why I keep speaking the truth, folks. This is from uh, January 11, 2016, 9 a.m. Aaron Goldstein. Word has it that Obama wants to be Secretary General of the United Nations. This is right before the inauguration of President Trump. Obama wants to be Secretary General of the United Nations. Ban Ki-moon's term concludes at the end of 2016, and it just so happens that Obama is available. Now, that never came to pass for whatever reason, but we could see how someone like him who has amassed worldwide popularity and has perhaps been moved out of another position. I don't think we have to worry about this happening with Biden. <laughs> he can't even find his way back to his office at the White House. And that's also truth. That's truth. Watch the videos. He gets lost all the time. I wish he would get lost permanently. And so do 13 United States military people who are now dead. And hundreds of Afghanis or thousands of Afghanis who are dead because of him. There's a right way and a wrong way to move your military and your civilians out of a hostile environment. And he did it the wrong way. And people died. That's truth also. And now... In this little short encapsulated statement, the angel tells John the whole scenario. So he was not, he is, and then he's going to perdition. So ultimately, and his reign will be short, the Antichrist will be sent to hell. 2 Thessalonians 2.3 Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day, the big D, will not come the day of the Lord until the falling away comes first. Could be a dual meaning here, a falling away from the faith, which is happening rapidly all over the world. True Christianity is being incrementally replaced by a false belief system. Do you know that? I was astounded. The latest statistic, it's up over 50% now. It was around 30-some-odd percent of Christians, people who identify as evangelical Christians. At one point several years ago, it was about a third of that group that believed there were other ways to get to heaven besides belief in Jesus Christ. Can you even imagine a third of self-identifying Christians believing that there are other ways to get to heaven? Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, New Age. Oh sure, there's other pathways have you heard that one before? Many pathways to heaven. Now it's up over 50% of people who identify as Christians believe that Jesus is not the only way, and yet we celebrated his death here this morning, his death on the cross, his broken body, the shedding of his blood for the removal of our sins, and you're going to tell me that there's another way? Jesus said, John 14, 6, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. He's either the Lord, he's a liar, or he's a lunatic! And he's not a liar, and he's not a lunatic. So guess what? He's the Lord. He's the Lord of all. But folks, the church, the church is in big trouble today. The church is in big trouble today. And there is a great falling away, and it's already upon us. But some have also interpreted this as meaning the snatching away of the saints, the rapture of the church. There's no reason why it can't be both. And the man of sin is revealed. So again, this to me indicates he will be revealed at the beginning of the tribulation as this falling away is occurring, the falling away of the true church and the catching away of the saints. Now, Revelation 19, 20. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs, false miracles in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. I saw another, uh, it was a video or an article recently where they were likening the masks to the uh, image of the beast. And as I thought about it, well, here's the deal. If we erase all personal physical identity, then there's only one image that will remain, and that's the image of the beast, whoever he is. We become non-entities. You know, when you've got the mask on, you really can't tell what somebody looks like. You can't see their facial expressions. Are they frowning? Are they smiling? Are they gritting their teeth? Wow, that person is really beautiful. That person's really handsome. Then they take the mask down. <laughs> That's why they, they do that in the Middle East. It even happened with Jacob and Leah and Rachel. He thought he was getting Rachel and they slipped Leah in on him. <laughs> the Bible says Leah was not very attractive. So Laban pulled one on Jacob. Not long ago, my wife and I, it was around, okay, I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm exposing myself here. It was Halloween, we know that's, you know, it's... Um, witchcraft and all that stuff, but we thought it'd be fun to go out to eat and wear some kind of a mask or costume or something. So we went to a restaurant and we walked in and they said, you have to take those off. You can't come in here with those on. You go into the bank, they used to make me take off my sunglasses. Yeah. Oh, we don't know who's behind there. You might be, you're going to rob the bank. Now they won't let you come in unless you're masked. And maybe I am here to rob the bank. Hello? Oh, boy. I'm going to reveal something to you that I've never admitted in public before. And I will qualify this by saying this applies to people who don't know Jesus, okay? Because if you're a believer, like I've talked about, you have wisdom from God, you have understanding, you have insight. But if you don't know God... I'm going to apply this to those who don't know God. My philosophy, one of my philosophies in life, never overestimate the intelligence of the average person. Did you follow that? I'll say it again. 
You know, you talk about underestimating people. My philosophy, especially if you're not a believer, never overestimate the intelligence of the average person because I've told you so many times, sin makes you stupid. And that word is in the Bible, by the way. I got rebuked one time for saying stupid. Well, then you better talk to God about it because the word stupid is in the Bible. And in the words of the immortal Forrest Gump, stupid is and stupid does. Thank you very much. Life is like a box of chocolates. Okay. Revelation 19.20. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. So we know what's going to happen to these guys. They're going to deceive the whole world. They're going to lead the whole world into satanic worship, mass deception, with the ultimate end game of destruction of the human race. But they're going to wind up in the lake of fire burning with brimstone. Because God cannot be mocked, folks. And you look around and you think people are getting away with evil things, bad things. But guess what? God will deal with them. And the Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And God's vengeance is guaranteed. It is sure. It is absolute. You don't have to stress out about it. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to deal with it. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. All right, verse 12. We're moving right along here. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. These are synonymous with the ten toes of Daniel's image in Daniel chapter 2, verses 36 through 45. If you want to reference that on your own. They have received no kingdom as of yet. So at the time that John received this revelation and wrote these things down, these guys did not exist yet. In John's day, these kings had not yet come to power. Their time is reserved for the last days when the Federation of Europe, perhaps the European Union, the UN, United Nations, headed up by the beast, comes to power. And again, for that, reference Daniel 9, 7, 24, the ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom, and another shall rise after them, another being the beast, the Antichrist. He shall be different from the first ones and shall subdue three kings. So apparently in his rise to power, we talked about the globalist agenda, which has been clearly documented, that to eradicate and erase all sovereign borders, all... Hello. Welcome to America where we no longer have borders, right? Their goal is to erase all national sovereignty, all independent nations, all borders and boundaries. And the European Union did that. All the nations that are part of the European Union, you can travel freely from one country to the next and stay there as long as you want. Now, Britain did a Brexit. So they're not part of that now, at least for the time being, but they began to accomplish that in Europe through the European Union. But the globalist agenda is to melt the entire world into one 
global system and then divide it up into 10 sectors because, I mean, there's got to be some kind of oversight, right? You can't have a planet of 7.5 million, which is going to be diminished rapidly, but you have to have some kind of order, some kind of guidance, some kind of leadership. So rather than independent sovereign nations, they want to get rid of all loyalty and patriotism that people have to their own nation, to their own culture, and so forth, and just melt this all together. And no gender either, by the way, as you know. No male, no female. You know, you're seeing more and more of these singers, entertainers, actors, actresses coming out. It's gone way beyond gay, lesbian, so it's transgendered. It's non-binary. Have you read about that? You know? It's they, it's them. Don't call me a he or a she. God forbid. Erasing all identity, gender identity, national identity, cultural identity, you name it. And then, once they've baked that pie or that cake, then they begin to slice it up into ten sections. What do you do? You mix all the ingredients, right? To bake a cake, to bake a pie, what have you. You mix it all together. They're no longer separate entities, sugar, flour, peaches, what have you. It's all mixed together, baked in a pie, baked in a cake, and then it's sliced out up into ten sections. So there will be ten rulers, ten kings, over these ten quadrants or sectors, and then apparently the Antichrist has some kind of a opposition from three of these guys. He shall be different from the first ones and then shall subdue three kings who apparently oppose him in some way. And that could be very well be how he rises to the ultimate position of the ruler of the world. But they, these ten horns are ten kings, and again, we don't have to guess, we don't have to speculate. The angel tells John, the ten horns are ten kings. And again, in today's world, a king would correlate with a ruler, a leader, a prime minister, whatever you want to call them, a president. And then we're told they receive authority for one hour as kings with a beast. So in terms of the totality of human history, these guys' reign will be very brief, one hour. We use the phrase... 15 minutes of fame, right? Very brief. Just long enough to destroy the vast majority of the world's population, which they're already working on, by the way. Verse 13. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beasts. One mind. What is that mind? It's already been revealed, folks. Bill Gates, you know, and so forth. George Soros. All the people who are part of the Bilderberg group. The Davos group. Do your research if you haven't. These are of one mind. World domination. Fauci. You know he was involved in the creation of this virus, don't you? Do you know that? He and his associates. It's too bad we had this big accident. When Obama shut down Fauci's research during his administration, which you got to give Obama credit for that, Fauci took it to China. Hello. 
There were patents on the, the virus and the vaccine that were filed before any of this ever happened. A lot of money to be made killing people. These are of one mind that will give their power and authority to the beasts, world domination and destruction of all who worship the true God. They're of one mind, like their fearless leader, the Antichrist. This is what brings them together. It's that old expression, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? And so even though these people come from diverse backgrounds and belief systems and so forth, Who's the common enemy? God and God's people. Hello? We're told the restraining force will be removed so that the Antichrist can come to power. What's the restraining force? It's the true church on the planet today. True believers filled with the Holy Spirit. We are the restraining force. As bad as things are, they'd be a lot worse if we weren't here, and they will be. They will be. Look at the ongoing fight against abortion. Pastor Ed talked about the law passed in Texas. People are fighting back. And if it wasn't for believers, because I guarantee you, the majority of people in the pro-life movement are Christians. Because we worship the God who's the author of life. And when we're gone... No holds barred. All bets are off. Second Thessalonians 2.4 Who, the Antichrist, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. That's what's coming. These are of one mind. And they will give their power and authority to the beast. So these ten world rulers over these ten quadrants will pledge allegiance to the Antichrist, the beast. Again, you've got to have that. Even though all national boundaries and borders will be erased, all national sovereignty will be gone, all personal identity will be gone, you still have to have somebody who calls the shots. The buck stops here. They will give their power and authority to the beast as rulers over the ten sectors or quadrants of the one world government. They will have power and authority as kings or prime ministers, etc. In order to consolidate their power, they will yield to the ultimate authority of the beasts. Let's stand. And you know what I love, folks? Now, a lot of people might be worried, fearful, anxious, scared. I'm not, are you? Because God's in charge, God's in control, God's on the throne. But what's exciting is we get to live in the times where these things are actually happening all around us. We're not just studying some hypothetical thing that may happen down the line in the future. Although we know with God's word it's never it may or it might. We know that it's it will. But we're not just talking about the future. We're living it right now. Let's bow our heads for a moment. I'm going to ask you if you need prayer this morning, if you please raise your hand. Lots of hands. Praise God. That's good. God loves to hear from us.
Father, I lift up each one right now. You know each person. You know what's going on in their lives. Father, if it's a health issue, we pray for healing. We pray for wisdom and guidance as to how to deal with whatever the condition might be. But Lord, ultimately, you are the great physician. You are able to do above and beyond what any human being can do, what any medication can do. We pray for those that are taking medications that they will be able to not take them soon, but in the, in the meantime that you would cause those medications to have their maximum effectiveness and minimal amount of side effects. But more than anything else, we call upon you for supernatural divine healing to be poured out upon your people, Father. Whether it's a cold, a virus, cancer, heart disease, leukemia, diabetes, Lord, you are bigger than all those things. We pray for healing in Jesus' name. We pray for those who need salvation today, that they would reach out to you and receive Jesus Christ as their own personal Lord and Savior, accepting his sacrifice on the cross as the complete work for the payment of your sins and my sins, all our sins. Lord, help those who need to do so to receive Christ today, to humble themselves before you, to confess their sins and repent, to turn from their wicked ways and follow after you, Lord. Father, we pray for those with financial issues that you would help them, provide for them. You promised to do so. We ask your forgiveness for the times when we mismanage the resources that you've given us. We ask you to forgive us and help us to do better, to give us wisdom and guidance on how to manage our households and our finances. But we pray for grace and mercy for an outpouring of provision for those who need it today, including but not limited to those who need jobs. And Lord, for those whose jobs are threatened by a forced vaccine that you would, you would go before them, be their, their rock, their fortress, be their protector, help them to keep the job or give them a better one. Give them the strength to stand firm, Father, against the schemes of the enemy. We pray for relationships that need repair, rebuilding, healing, that you would help us to be instruments of peace, of reconciliation. Lord, that you would not allow the enemy to destroy marriages, friendships, relationships in the workplace or in school or in the neighborhood or wherever it might be. Lord, we're here to be witnesses, to be your ambassadors, to be your representatives. And it's hard to do that when there are broken relationships in the way. So we pray for healing there as well. And Lord, we do pray as we talked about today for wisdom from on high as needed for each one here today, Lord, that you would give us the wisdom and guidance we need to, to continue to walk in the light and to walk in the truth. We thank you for the power the dynamic quality and nature of your divinely inspired word. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.